The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please, tonight, let's return to the book of Luke, and we're going to be in chapter number 15 this evening. Luke 15, we'll pick up in verse number 11, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter. Of course, um, as we've been studying here in the first part of chapter 15, it says in verse number 1, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And then it's, uh, we see a, a, it kind of spurs in several events where Jesus starts uh, sharing and speaking in uh, parables and uh, discussing teaching things. And, and uh, remember that a parable is an earthly story, but it has a heavenly meaning. It has a spiritual implication in it. So Jesus would use an everyday, tangible uh, scenario in which people would understand and be able to relate to and in turn uh, use that to be able to teach a spiritual lesson in it. And so uh, tonight we'll find that it's a portion of Scripture probably most of us are somewhat at least familiar with. We've uh, got an idea of what the story's about and such, and uh, we, I've preached on it before here from this pulpit even, um, but as we move through our studies through the book of Luke, we find ourselves in verse number 11, and we'll read down through verse number 32. It says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followed to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there, uh, spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him uh, into his fields and, uh, to feed swine. He would fain, having filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he, had, when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more uh, worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring head of the fathered calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now this elder son was in, now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in, therefore his father came out. And entreated him, and he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, and uh, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It, is, it was meet that we should make merry and be glad, 
For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Our Father, we thank you again for this night. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house again. Lord, I ask that you speak uh, through me as I deliver the message. Let us hear from your word. Draw us closer to you. Help us to learn more about you tonight that would just make us in awe of who you are and, and your goodness in our life and your love for us. I think of those who might be not able to be here with us tonight because of sickness or uh, their ailments, Lord, I ask that you would be with them, and, and uh, Lord, I ask that you would just help us now as we consider your word, that we'd honor and glorify you through our time together in it, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now, of course, as we've seen all of these events unfolding, our current text of chapter 15, uh, it takes us to the chief uh, Pharisee's house, and Jesus had started there with beginning to teach out of a series of parables. And this, what is occurring right here in chapter 15, and these parables that he's, he's sharing, this is occurring just mere months, mere months before his death on the cross. It wouldn't be long before he would have to die, he would die for the sins of all mankind. And this parable before us here tonight in verses 11 through the end of the chapter, it shows the Father's love uh, for publicans and sinners. Uh, that represented by the, young, uh, the younger brother, the one who ran off and wasted his substance. Um, but we also find that uh, as he's considering this and showing the Father's love for publicans and sinners who had already repented, we understand that the, the uh, Pharisees that were there in the crowd that night uh, or that day, many of them had not yet repented. And so he is helping to share this parable to show not only God's love for sinners and, and uh, those who are, are, um, are, are down and out and, and those who are far from Him, but He also extends His love to the haughty as well, to the ones that think that they're okay and that they are not in need of Him. I believe we'll learn from this passage tonight that our God's heart is a heart for reconciliation. A heart for restoration. In fact, William Mason said, if we put off repentance another day, we have a day more to repent of and a day less to repent in. And so, my friends, we must understand tonight that our God, His desire, His heart, His will is that He could have us repent and we, we would be able to restore us and reconcile us. But the longer we put off that repentance, the less time we have to do it and more that we have to repent of. So when repentance and forgiveness are combined, there's always hope for a relationship to be restored. Not only when it comes to the relationship between uh, God and mankind, but I think we can apply that to the relationship of, that we might have in our lives, husbands and wives, uh, parents and children, or siblings together, or friends, and so on. And so tonight, as we consider the prodigal, let us keep in mind that when repentance and forgiveness is combined... There is always hope for a relationship to be restored. So number one, notice with me here tonight. Number one, notice the advancement of rebellion in verses 11 through 16. In verse number 11, we'll read these again. It says, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey to a far country, and there wasted his substance on riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and uh, he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain, having filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. 
Family turmoil, we find, oftentimes is a result or at least begins with some form of rebellion. Here in this scenario, it begins with a rebellious son as Jesus shares this parable. And we understand tonight that rebellion is a sin, and it is a sin that God has compared with witchcraft even. In 1 Samuel, in chapter 15 and verse number 23, the Bible says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And so as we, cons- as we consider this story that Jesus shares, this parable of this wealthy man who has two sons, an older and a younger, uh, we first focus on this younger son and we see the rebellion in his heart advancing. And notice that this rebellion, it probably, we could say, have it, has it had its roots in selfishness. Because look at what verse number 12 says. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that follow to me. And the, it says, the father divided unto him his living. Now, according to the law of that day, uh, the younger son had a right to request his portion. But this younger man was only thinking of himself when he requested this. And that's exactly where turmoil begins in relationships. When one is only thinking of self and becomes self-centered in our desires and in our requests. In fact, Isaiah 14 verses 12 through 14 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which this wakened the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into, the, into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights, uh, the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And we have here the fall of Satan. And we find pride welling up, his selfishness, his own desires and turmoil in that relationship began because of the selfishness and pride of Lucifer. And we find that turmoil began in this scenario with this wealthy man and his two children because of selfishness, because of the pride in his heart. And in his selfishness, notice this young man was uncaring. We find here in verse number 15, or number 12, I'm sorry, that the young man came to his father and said, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Now, selfishness will often breed an indifferent attitude towards others. See, this young man had no care on what kind of stress or, or burden that uh, asking this thing would have put onto his father. This young man had no care on, uh, desi- or desire to even consider uh, what his actions and, and what his leaving would do uh, on his family and, and on the work that he had there as well. And the reason why he decided to go forward with asking for these things and ultimately leaving was because he didn't care. He was uncaring, and his uncaring was spurred out of his selfishness, which his selfishness was spurred out of rebellion. But this young man was not only selfish and uncaring because of it, but he was also unthankful because of it. See, the son uses the phrase, give me, when addressing the father. There's no, there, there, there's no tact in that. There is no, father, this was what I'd like to do and was considering uh, doing this. Would you, what was your thoughts on this? I'd like to have your advice. I'd like to have your guidance in this. No, instead, his statement is, give me. And that is an imperative verb that indicates that the son was demanding. He, it wasn't even a request. 
but yet he was demanding his inheritance. And the, if, there's any, if there's anything that we can associate with today's society, it is the give me attitude. It is the I want my way and I want it right now. Maybe it's because we've, we've developed that. Maybe we have honed that. Maybe we have taught that with uh, the Burger King mentality of have it your way. But whatever the case might be, the blight of today's society is that give me attitude. We find he says, give me, he says, the portion of goods. Uh, and it says that the father divided unto him his living. That those words, his living, is uh, the Greek word bios, which means by which life is sustained, resources, wealth, or goods. So the, the inheritance, my friends, listen to me tonight, the inheritance that the son was demanding was part of the resources his father would have needed to live on into old age. So the son was literally taking life from his father by demanding that he be given these things. We find that this young man never considered the sacrifice and the labor that went into the portion that he received. The advancement of this young man's rebellion it spurred selfishness and led him to being uncaring and unthankful. But notice in verse number 12 also, not only his selfishness on display, on display, but it's displayed through a selfish demand as well. As we've discussed there in verse number 12 already, he says, give me, and that's a command, that's a demand if you may, and the, nev the son never consulted with his father before making the decision. Now, don't you think it would have been wise for this young man to speak to his father, a father who is wealthy? A father who's been at this thing for a while. A father who's been around the block a few times, right? A father who had probably quite a bit of wisdom. I mean, the man was a wealthy individual. But this young man never considered what his father would like to maybe share with him and some advice that he could get. See, this young man's decision was based off of self-will. And rebellion always involves leaving the authority out of our lives when we make our decisions says, I don't care what anyone else has to say. I don't care what you think about this. This is my decision, and this is what I'm going to do. And the young man did not want counsel because his mind was already made up. The Bible tells us in Exodus 20 and verse number 12 that the young people should honor their father and mother. He says, honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. We find that this young man was not honoring his father. Instead, he was demanding to receive his own way. And we see in his, this advancement of rebellion, where we see his selfishness on display. It was displayed through a selfish demand, but it also led him down a selfish journey. Because look at what the Bible says in verses 13 through 16. And it wasn't many days after the younger son gathered all together. So the father divided unto him his living, and not many days after that. The son gathered all of his things together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And we had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, that land and he began to be in want and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And verse number 16 says, he would fain having filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. 
See, the prodigal left home and wasted all, every, all of the inheritance, wasted everything that he had demanded from his father um, on the temporary, on the vain pleasures that this world could offer. I could just imagine all of the things that he probably did. Of course, the, the older son alludes to what he probably did in verse number 30. It says that he is son, there's a son that which has come home, which hath devoured his living with harlots. Thou hast killed him, the fatted calf. And he alludes maybe or at least estimates what has been done with that. But nevertheless, we know that the Bible is clear that he wasted the things that his father had divided unto him on temporary vain things, things that don't last. We know they didn't last because when he was hungry, he had nothing to feed himself with. They know it, we know it didn't last because when he needed shelter, he had no place to, to lay his head and no place to hide. If a person is not living for Christ, my friends, I, I submit to you this evening that his life is being wasted. And we find this, I believe that's the principle here that the Lord is teaching, and not just the actions of the rebellion of this young man, but what we do with our life matters. The Lord has given us a, a, a great responsibility in giving us breath and life for Him. What we do with it matters. Proverbs 27 and 8 says this, as a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Proverbs 23 and verses 19 through 22, Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and a drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. See this we just see this progression, or maybe I should say regression. Because as this rebellion advances, it's manifested through his selfishness, which shows that he was unthankful and uncaring. It was, it was manifested through his selfish demand, and it was culminating through this selfish journey. And we find that this young man, as he set out on his selfish journey, was just determined to sin. He was determined for it. In verses 13 and 14, it clearly states that. See, when he had spent all, the Bible says, that means that to incur expenses, to expend, to spend in a bad sense, to waste, to squander, to consume. This young man took the inheritance and wasted it on sensual pleasures that would not last because he was just determined to sow his wild oats. But notice with me the destination of this sin. Because in verse number 15 and 16, he's wasted it all. And now all of a sudden there's a famine in the land. He has no way of providing for himself. And so the Bible says he has to go and join himself to a citizen of that region, that country. He finds a man that's, he's, uh, he's looking for hired hands and, and he hires this young man. And he sends him out in the field to feed the swine. And this man looks around, and I mean, he's, he's so desperate that he would be even willing to eat of the slop that the pigs are eating. And he's thinking to himself, how did I get to this place? How did I ever get here? And my friends, listen to me tonight. Sin never, sin never picks a person up, but it always takes them down. Sin never takes you someplace that is going to benefit you. 
Sin always destroys. And this young Jewish man was given the most degrading job a Jew could ever have. Feeding an unclean animal. Have you ever thought about that? Here these pigs were unclean to the Jews. They weren't even to touch them, let alone eat them. And here he is feeding them. No one cared for his welfare, the Bible says, at the, in the verse number 16. And no man gave unto him. What a rough spot to find yourself in. What a rough spot to find yourself to where no one even cared for your welfare. And he was willing and desperate for any kind of food. The Bible says he would feign having filled, and that means to have a desire for, to long for, to desire or lust after or to covet. Proverbs 21 and verse number 20 says, There is treasure to be desired, and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Luke 15 and 30. We find, as the, young, as the young man's older brother states, that this young man wasted and devoured his living on harlots. James 4 and 1 says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of our lusts, that war in our members. We find as this rebellion just advanced in this young man's life, he started off pretty high, didn't he? Man, he got a, a, a windfall, he got a, this inheritance, and man, he was out there partying it up. Before it was all said and done, though, he was in the pig pen, and his life was wasted. My friends, we see this advancement of rebellion, but notice with me, verses 17 through 20, notice the act of restoration. See, restoration began when the prodigal realized his condition was substantially worse than that of his father's servants. He then determined to go to his father and beg for forgiveness. Look at verse number 17 with me. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to sp and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Here we find his realization of his sin. He recognizes the life that he had been living and the ways that he had went through. We find he, he realizes that it was wrong, and he realizes that it is sin. We find that um, Albert Barnes writes about this phrase, he came to himself. He says it's a very expressive phrase. In this place, it denotes that the folly of the young man was a kind of uh, de derangement that is, he was almost insane. It was as if he wasn't even in his right mind, and he finally was able to shake himself uh, to awaken and say, look at where I've, where I've found myself. R. Kent Hughes said, considering the dangers of sin, uh, he, said, he writes that Dietrich Bonhoeff, Bonhoeffer mo uh, made the ob observation that when lust takes control, at this moment, God loses all reality. Satan does not fulfill us with hatred for, of God, but with for, uh, forgetfulness of God. When we are in the grip of lust, the reality of God fades. See, this young man did not immediately repent. First, he had to experience remorse. First, he had to experience the misery that he went through. And 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. We find that when he realized his sin, it led him to a repentance of that sin in verse number 18. Here's his decision. I will arise, 
and go to my father. Now, Psalm 51 and verse number four says, Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Someone has once put it this way, if we put off repentance another day, as I mentioned earlier, we have a day more to repent of and a day less to repent in. Now, here's this young man who had, thought he had it all together. This young man thought he had all the answers. He said, Father, give me now what is going to come to me. It doesn't matter what becomes of you. I want my way or, and, and, and nothing else. And he goes off and he wastes all the, his living and he does what he wants to do. And he finds himself in a terrible situation. And finally, he comes to himself and he says, man, I've messed up. I've sinned. And he says, here's the solution. I'm going to return and I'm going to go to my father. See, he set out on a course that was going this direction. And he said, wow, that was a mistake. And he immediately turned around and went back to where he belonged. That's what repentance is, my friend. When it comes to salvation, repentance could be that a person's down the, walking down the road of life that says, there is no God. And they come to the realization there is one, and they turn to him. It could be that a person's walking down the path of light that says, I'm going to save myself from my sins. I'm going to do it by getting baptized. I'm going to do it by doing good deeds. I'm going to do it by attending church on a regular basis. But then they recognize that they can't save themselves. And so they turn to God. That's how repentance is in salvation. And we find this uh, illustrated through this young man's life as well when he says, I'm going to go back. And he went back because he had a changed heart. Look at verse number 18. I will arise and go to my father. Will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Before it was, give me, because I know best. And now it's, man, I've messed up. Please forgive me. The young man desired to be right with his father, and he exhibited the repentance that had taken place in his heart. 2 Corinthians 7 and 9 says, Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. Someone once said, referring to repentance, that repentance is going back to the Lord and the cross. It's telling him you are absolutely dependent upon him to change and be forgiven. When the prodigal son came back home, he didn't just get a ring, a robe, and shoes. The greatest thing he got back was his father. We find this young man had a changed heart. But notice in verse number 19, he also had a contrite heart. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. See, the son expressed deep contrition by offering to return as a servant. He's not saying, he's not even demanding that I be restored back to where I ought to be. But instead, he says, just take me in however you would. He was willing to do whatever it took for him to be restored to the father. And James 4 and verse 6 says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resist the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Luke 15 and verse number 21, look at it. And the son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. We find that this young man had a changed heart, a contrite heart, but notice also he had a compelled heart. Because it says in the first part of verse number 20, and he arose and came to his father. He was willing to go and make it right. 
taking action by confessing his sin. And his heart change led to action. Don't miss that part, my friends. His heart change led to action. What led to the chaos? What led to the turmoil? His actions. His heart, where his heart was, and the things he did said pretty much, I don't care about you, Dad. I only care about myself. Give me what's going to come to me. And he went out and did his own thing. But when he realized he had sinned, when he realized he was wrong, his heart changed. And because of that, it compelled him to go back and right the wrongs. In 1 John chapter 1, and verses 8 through 10, it says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Lastly, tonight, before we close, notice with me, number three, the agreement of reunion. In verses 20 through 24, it says, He arose, came to his father, and when his great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Verse number 22, But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. See, if a person loses something or someone special, they do their best to try to remember it many a times. Maybe through a picture, maybe through some possession, whatever it might be. But the father was not going to forget about his son. That was for sure. And my friends, there, we understand that there can be no real restoration without repentance first. But when this young man was willing to repent of what he had done wrong, notice immediately forgiveness was offered. In verse number 20, it tells us here that as he came, he was still a great way off. And his dad was already ready to forgive. He ran to him and, and threw his arms around him. And the young man's father was obviously looking for him, obviously hoping that uh, he would do what is right, that he would come back. And when he saw his son a great way off, he ran to meet him. His father's love overcame all of the hurt and possible bitterness that could have been there. I'm reminded of James 4 and 8 that says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. See, when a person runs away from God, it's not our duty or job to judge them, but we ought to be ready to restore them to fellowship with Him when they return. Galatians 6 and 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. See, this man offered his son forgiveness. And notice in that forgiveness the fellowship that was enjoyed. In verse number 22, But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, put the ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Verse number 23, Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. See, the father gave his son Several possessions that draw all a parallel to the gifts that we receive in God. A robe represents the righteousness that the Lord will give us when we, when we come to Him. This identified Him as a family member. 
the ring indicated the sonship of this young man as well. And to as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. The shoes represent provision, and it identifies the young man as a child and not as a servant. And my friends, our God is going to provide for our every need. In fact, Warren Wiersbe said this, he said, everything the younger son had hoped to find in the far country, he discovered back home. Clothes, jewelry, friends, joyful celebration, love, and assurance for the future. What made the difference? Instead of saying, Father, give me, he said, Father, make me. He was willing to be a servant, and that's what made the difference. John 15, verses 13 through 15 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friend, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. My friends, tonight we must realize our God, our Heavenly Father, is rich in mercy and grace for the sinner who is repentant. No doubt this whole story has everything to do with God's love for everyone. The sinner who is wayward, even we won't take the time to get into it, but the, younger, the older son who throws a fit because he doesn't have the fat calf also, the father loved him also. He, the, the, the older son, as much as he tried to say he wasn't like his younger brother, acted a whole lot like him in that scenario. Because the younger brother went off and went away from the father. The older brother said, I'm not going in, and made his father come out. Both of them needed the forgiveness of their father because they both were acting childish. And we find that it doesn't matter where we find ourselves, whether we be far from him or we think we might be the next best thing since sliced bread, that we still need the love of Jesus. We still need his restoration because we are all lost without him. Romans 3.25, whom God has sent forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning this promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us words, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, I know this is a Sunday evening, and the crowd that is gathered tonight, I'm going to assume at least the majority of us have already come to the Father, have already come to Him for that restoration in repentance. But if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, note that if we just recognize that we are sinners and are in need of Him and turn from whatever direction we were in that we thought we were okay in and say, Lord, I need you, He will restore us. Maybe our, maybe our way has kind of gotten a little off track. We're saved, but we felt like we know what's best for our lives. Would we not just in repentance return back to Him? and have that relationship restored to what it rightfully should be. Maybe there's some relationships among us that need to be fixed. Well, it starts with recognizing, you know, I have a part to play in that and be willing to repent in that so restoration could take place. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet with me tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. However, the Lord might have spoken to your heart this evening, I want us to take this time and, and come to Him and I want you to take the time and say, God, here's my heart, and here's where I know that I am, and here's where I, how and why I need you. 
And Lord, just receive me back. Receive me and, and use me how you, would, how you would. And if you're here tonight and you don't know him as your Savior, would you call out to him and say, Lord, save me. Father, we thank you for this, this evening, for the time together in your word. I'd ask that you just bless our time in this invitation to have your will in your way. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed here tonight,